this morning. Take the opportunity. to say a little more about this aspect of the path which Tanisra touched on last night, samadhi. This word, sometimes it's translated as Concentration. I don't like that translation. Though it often appears, because we tend to associate with the word concentration a narrowing. Someone might be very concentrated. But not very well, not very happy, not very at ease. Possibly like an ice pick. There's a place for narrowing of the attention. There's certainly a place for focusing right on a point. But we think that that's, that's what's being referred to in, in samadhi, one-pointedness, concentration. Oftentimes we get very stressed, we get very narrow, and we oftentimes get very disconnected from so much by, by trying to rivet the mind onto something. One-pointed is very different from single, unified, in terms of a connotation of the word. Single-minded or unified, unified heart, unification of heart. Or to use that phrase the Nisra used last night, the, the one way of talking about Mindfulness is remembering. Take that which has been dismembered, dislocated, disassociated, and remembering, reconnecting, gathering, gathering the elements, essential elements by experience into this present, sustained, present abiding this aspect of the path is, is, is the healing aspect of the path it represented a turning point in the Buddha's own historical life when for those of you who remember the story he had uh, Recognize the limitation of having everything just the way I want, having everything pleasing. When he left home, left uh, princehood, 29, 
palaces for each season. Most refined silk, so that your skin never touched anything rough. Attendants always holding parasols over him so he wouldn't get too much sun. Or fanning him if it was too hot. Going to a warmer palace if it was too cold. Most refined food. Yet still he realized limitation of, of just trying to hold on to the pleasing. It penetrated into his heart that that is impermanent, that we're subject to old age, to sickness, to death, and that that does not bring true peace, trying to just keep everything nice. Then he explored the other side, in a way another extreme, from grasping at the pleasing, he he then took the opposite approach. Well, I'll just make everything painful so that I'll cut loose any attachment to pleasure. He became supreme ascetic, able to endure tremendous discomfort without getting agitated. He said his equanimity was unparalleled, but he still was stressed out. It's like a wound-up spring, still spring. And he got very sick as he was starving himself. Even He thought even breathing was a luxury. He started cutting down his breath, stopping his breath. You've got to give him top points for being willing to explore. Fearless. Then he, he was also honest and he recollected, where's this getting me? Okay, I have great equanimity. I know the limits of feeling, but this is not peaceful. And the turning point was when he had the memory of a child, child's memory. Of a day of celebration when his father, as the chief or the king, it was some sort of Thanksgiving festival, plowing festival. It was celebration, dancing, speeches. And he found himself as a young child withdrawing, just just leaving the busyness. He had the memory, he had this memory all these years later of leaving the busy, uh, busyness and, and uh, the word he used was we wake withdrawing from busyness sitting under a rose apple tree. And he remembered that when he did that and allowed the child's, the uncomplicated, but the interested mind, the honest mind, the straight mind of the child that just opens in its, how is it? He remembered that he was just with his body, <coughs> with the in and the out breath. <coughs> He remembered that experience of single-mindedness, of unification, the rapture of that, the lightness of that, the brightness of that. And he knew this was the turning point, this knowledge arose. This wasn't his awakening, but this was the beginning of the awakening, significant turning point. He realized, why am I afraid of this? This pleasure is not exploitative, doesn't hurt anyone. 
elbowing others away for this, grasping at it, external things. This is a pleasure that wells up from within. It wells up from the depths of the, of the heart itself. Yes, if I attach to this, I can get, still suffer. But this is, this is not harmful. This is brightening, healing. And he knew this is the path. And he later, uh, then on the night of his enlightenment, that's what he did do. He, he had to eat a little bit and, and, and get himself a little stronger first before he could do anything. He, he had that insight. Then he practiced this, what we're practicing, mind and stabilized. And the first, the first blessing of this sort of practice, <coughs> learning to unify the mind around a single theme, unify the heart around a single theme, First is, is a pleasing abiding. Here and now. This is, a, this is a blessing. This is something very important to learn how to do. When we only know the, the, the pleasing abiding of sensual contact. Not that that's evil. But when we only know that, we, we, we're continually dependent on external conditions. The right sights, the right sounds, the right smells, the right tastes, the right touches. We can get pulled out, chasing and seeking and avoiding. <coughs> when we don't understand the true nature of sense contact, it, it's said that, uh, that we're robbed of our treasures because then we start imagining that real stability and happiness is somewhere out there in the circumstances. That's called endless wandering as we keep trying to turn the Rubik's Cube of life, keep thinking that if we just get the lighting just right, the sounds just right, the people just right, the body just right, the thoughts just right. Whoop, got that bit. Got that knee. What's it doing over there? Get that... That knee turned in. And then someone starts snoring. Good gracious, where those ear pl- earplugs just run? Okay. What? I missed the meeting. Oh, dear, the earplugs. Keep trying the Rubik's Cube, the idea that we get the circumstances right. We keep wandering in, it keeps eluding us. That's called our treasures have been plundered because we're, we're looking in the wrong place. Our treasures are actually already here. We don't see them the more we grasp at a condition demanding it to give us more than it can. The nature of external sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, their nature is to become otherwise. As the wind tells us, as the thunder tells us, as the seasons tell us, as each sound tells us. So a pleasing abiding here and now starts that reversal back in the right direction of uh, recognition that there's something very precious already here within us. It's hard to let go of external grasping, as Tanisra touched on last night, if we, have, if we don't trust that there's anything to let go into. This practice of cultivation of steadiness on around a single theme, for example, the theme of being with the body as it breathes in and breathes out, 
as that becomes pleasing, then it's easier to see and sense the stress of chasing. Pleasing abiding here and now, it also leads to, to alertness, <coughs> to being awake for our life. It's another blessing from this practice. It leads to knowledge and insight. When it gets more refined and steady, we, we recognize things, we have insights into things we haven't seen before, haven't known before. And also, very significantly, this practice, as Tanisra spoke last night, touched on it, the more our heart is unified around being steadily here and now, awake. It is the nature of a mind which has samadhi, it is the nature of a mind like that to see things as they are. And one of the most significant blessings of samadhi is when we see things as they are, then we recognize birth and death comes from this blind grasping, looking for security and what can never give us security. So samadhi recognizes the changing thoughts, the changing sounds. Samadhi, when our mind is composed, we see that each sound is like a bubble. It's there and it's gone. Who could grasp a bubble? We grasp it and pop, it's gone. So that insight into the empty, insubstantial, ephemeral nature of sense experience that comes from samadhi leads to the letting go. Why? Because we know we just get tired trying to grasp empty space. You, You can't capture it. We can be in awe of it. We can be open to it. But when there's samadhi... There's a natural letting be, letting go, and then recognizing that which is already here, that which is. Pleasing abiding here now. Why is it a healing practice? We have different aspects of our being. We have a thinking aspect that we're using right now I'm trying to use to communicate that can discern oh it's raining it can discern how I feel it can think about what we want to do what we don't want to do that can communicate we have an emotional aspect that which likes or doesn't like that which feels happy, unhappy we have a spiritual aspect that which is alert, just knows. Physical aspect, that which the body, these are different aspects which aren't necessarily in harmony. In the samadhi practice, we actually join. We're joining, remembering unifying the aspects. How does that work? Remember these factors that Tanisra touched on the first two, factors that support this unification of heart. They're called jhana factors. Jhana is the word the Buddha used for, sometimes translated as absorption, but let's just say unifying, healing. First two factors, vitaka vichara, 
using the thinking mind. So we're not throwing it out the window. We're not just saying, bad, get out of here. But we're trying to train the thinking mind to help us. To help us what? Remember, relink, join together these dislocated aspects of ourselves. Vitaka is a thought that reminds us, it directs attention. If I say outside, whew, not looking very good. Or if I'm a farmer, wow, we need that rain. But how did our mind get there? The thought. So thought ha- can focus the attention. Oh, you're giving a talk, Adisaro. And notice, thought brings me back. <laughs> how are my parents in Chattanooga, Tennessee? Thought can go there, into the future. Wonder what's going to happen in the world. It's not always that way, but thought has this function of directing attention. In samadhi practice, we use thought to direct the attention here and now. Direct it to the, in this particular abiding, to the body. Direct it to in-breath, out-breath. Notice that directing thought is yang. In other words, it has a thrust in it. It's masculine. Not ultimately masculine. We all have masculine and feminine. It's a way of talking. But it's a, there's a thrust. There's a, a point. If we only have vitaka, get back there, mind. Come on, I told you. Get on back there. Stay with a breath. Get back there. It's, 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 it's harsh. You might do it, but you're back to that still spring. And if we've ever had a conversation with, with, a, with that type, we get pinned to the wall. And we're looking for an escape. Might be saying, how are you? It's really nice to see you. But you, you realize there's no, I'm not being seen. Not being heard. It's good for locating attention, but you are not really connected with what is unless there's this vichara, the receptive. So the mind can say, here, use some volition to get here. And then what is it that feels out? Oh, notices the lie, notices the body feels out, explores. This is the connecting quality. Very important. The two work together like a one monk described it as a thumb and a second finger. They, they work together. Vitaka brings one somewhere, Vichara feels out, explores. So Vitaka says body, Vichara notices, lets the attention Oh, that's a bit tense. And Vichara not only notices that which is tense, but then can adjust in terms of what? Our aim. Our aim is a pleasing abiding here and now. Give ourselves permission. We're not, we're not getting points for torturing ourselves. Pleasing abiding. Out of balance. The feeling out notices that. You can notice it and then adjust. Posture. Ah. We wander, Vitaka brings us back with a thought, with a word, usually a word, might even be more subtle than a word, but something that brings us back. 
Vichara reconnects. These two work together, work together. Third and fourth factor I'll just touch on. Third, pity. Very important meaning to be filled with. To save. It's translated as rapture. But you don't just jump into rapture. Where's the rapture? Where's the rapture? I ain't getting no rapture. <laughs> Says it in the books. Ain't no rapture. You got to get to the seed of rapture before rapture comes. You get flowers that start as buds, demanding the flower to be out there perfect from the beginning. You might ignore all the lovely buds, which are baby Buddhas. They're just about to open. The bud of rapture is the capacity to appreciate how it is. So when you're sitting here and don't feel rapturous, what do we feel? The seed of pity allows us to give space to that feeling. Okay, it's a bit achy. Okay. It's a bit jagged. Okay. Can we make a space, a container to savor that feeling? Is it possible to actually enjoy that feeling? Is it torture? If it's really torture, change posture. Gently. But if it's somewhere less than that, can we enjoy being with even fatigue can we allow it to be tasted, resonated with, noticed, filled, felt out? That's the bud of rapture. As we stay with that, it blossoms and fills us into this capacity for brightly being able to, to bring a pleasing feeling through the body. Sukha, the fourth factor, means ease. Very important. Again, when we're trying to get concentrated by the old definition of concentration, we end up with that steel spring. We forget about pity, enjoying, receiving. We forget about ease and we're just driving. Driving. That's narrow. As you'll see from an example I used, the, 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 the quality the Buddha really praised the most is one that comes out of being filled with and, and what allows the energy to really circulate, what allows the heart to really unify, is relaxing. Using that out-breath to keep relaxing. Okay, if you go to sleep too much, then use the in-breath just to wake up a little. Balance those two. But still relaxing is very important. So the thinking mind... Vitaka Vachara points us to the body, points us to the breathing, and then, and then the Vichara, which notices and feels, starts to connect us to this heart quality, the knowing quality. It allows us to, to be at ease with the moment. So already you're getting the thinking, the body, the knowing and the feeling quality all linking together.
The Buddha gave tips, helpful tips. When we sit down to do this practice, placing our mindfulness, our presence of mind right here, training ourselves to know. I can't go through all of them today, but uh, just to give you a feeling of how systematic he laid a path down to help us, to help us maybe in a map to check where we might be getting stuck. When we are disconnected, aren't particularly together, I'll just read the first four tips. The first four tips are training ourselves to to be aware when we breathe in long, to be aware when we breathe out long, to be aware when there's breathing in short, to be aware when there's breathing out short, to train ourselves to be aware and sensitive to the whole body as we breathe in, sensitive to the whole body as we breathe out. And the fourth one, to learn to train ourselves to tranquilize the body as we breathe in and to tranquilize the body as we breathe out. Long breath, short breath, whole body, tranquil. We don't have to go through these each time. But if we are disconnected, if we are a bit scattered, what is meant by the long breath? Sometimes that's how we find the breath. Sometimes we might notice that if we're agitated, we tend to have a deeper, deeper breath. Not always. But it also can be an excellent way to find and locate our body. When we're preoccupied with something, just Ajahn Chah, our teacher, used to do this a lot and encourages to do this a lot, to take a conscious, slow, mindful, deep breath. That's a long breath. When you do a long breath, you can find the breath. You can find your body. That's vitaka. That's the directing, skillful directing of attention away from being caught up in this fantasy, that worry, breathing in long, breathing in out long. Breathing in long even might include the whole breath, noticing that the breath, what is the breath? It comes in through the nostrils unless you have a cold or some obstruction. You'll notice that the breath uh, makes contact with the lungs. You can also even notice that there's an aspect of the breath that, that, that affects the rib cage and the diaphragm. You can even follow the path of the breath. Ajahn Chah taught this as a way of just starting to calm down if we're agitated. Having a moment of noticing the breath as it touches the nostril, noticing the breath as it activates the lungs or the chest, noticing the slight movement of the diaphragm or the belly, which is the bottom of the breath. In the out-breath, Noticing the belly, noticing the chest, noticing the nostrils. So that's, that's, that, that's, there's a lot of activity there. But when your mind is really busy, that can sometimes be helpful. Long breath. Might be like that or it might just be taking a conscious long breath. Remember, we're, we're encouraging ourselves to give ourselves permission to cultivate a pleasing abiding. This is not a pranayama. We're not trying to, to force ourselves. But we're, we might use a long breath like this just to reestablish ourselves. Then as one allows things to take their own course, as we start to calm down, you will also notice that the breath sometimes naturally becomes more refined, more shallow, 
This is the short breath, not a deep breath. We don't need to follow anymore necessarily the breath from out there in, through, down to the belly. We might find a place, just a place at the nostrils perhaps, or at the chest, or at the abdomen, where it's most comfortable for us, a place where we're with the breath like standing by the beach with the tide as it comes in, the waves come in, noticing when they come in, noticing when they come out, when it flows out, being steady. The tide moves, the waves move in, the waves move out, but we're we're rooted in presence, rooted in this abiding of knowing, being sensitive to that breath. Sweet. When we feel the breath, remember what we mean by the breath is actually how it feels in the body, at the nostrils as a sensation, or at the chest as a movement or a sensation, or at the belly. Then we, the vitaka vichara, the the thoughts and the noticing, help us stay with that pulse, that warmth, that tingling. We relax with it. We savor it. We steady ourselves. Now, when you just breathe in and there's a pause, and out there's a pause, in there's a pause, out there's a pause. After a while, that gets a little jumpy. Relatively speaking, at first, it's very calm. The coarse breath is the in and the out. But remember, the breath is referring to this quality of nature that vibrates, that moves, that vitalizes. So the subtle breath that underlies the grosser breath is this vibratory sensation quality. So the breath might come in the nostrils, out the nostrils, but when you notice the vibrating, the tingling, the warmth. Notice how that's more sustained. It's not so much an in and an out. As one starts to make contact with that subtler aspect of the breath, that steadies us longer, keeps us more steady. These different signs or nimittas, technical word, different ways in which we experience the breath take us more deeply into steadiness. Long breath, short breath as we start to stabilize the mind, heart, and then training ourselves to be sensitive to the whole body. This is very important. Learning then to, this is a way of checking that we really are being filled with, that we really are relaxing, that this pleasant abiding blesses our whole body. So from time to time, just check. How are the knees? How's the back? My nose might be calm. My face might be calm. But then if we allow our attention, the vitaka vichara, to widen, we'll notice, oh, the energy's not flowing. How do we notice that? We just feel. And rather than forcing it, this is the magic and the healing part of this, this activity, we just save, we just dwell with 
Breathe into those areas that feel dense, not vibrating so much. Don't panic. Painful. Breathing in and relaxing those areas. Breathing in, brightening those areas. Gently, patiently. Little by little, the elements start to be reorganized, not by an act of will. The elements of earth, water, fire, and air, the elements of our body, the elements of our emotions, that which can be pleased, the elements of our nervous system, that which can be tranquilized. The elements of our thinking mind, that which can be directed and discerned. These elements, through this sustained activity of being with, start to blend, start to harmonize, and they get unified. The fifth jhana factor, ekagata. Eka means one. There's a sense of, yes, you can, you can notice there's a thought. You can notice there's a pleasant feeling. You can notice there's a body. But they don't disturb each other. It's all here. It's like, yes, there's a right hand and a left hand, but they're, they're dancing together. They're in contact together. They're linked. They're unified. This practice is an image the Buddha I've oft time used. It's a classic image of what we're doing. What the Buddha called the bathman or the bathman's apprentice. Lovely golden or brass bowl, lovely bowl, dry flakes, dry powder, dry crystals. The apprentice or the bathman. This is how they used to get clean in the old days. Sprinkles water into the crystals, into the powder. Needs it, needs it. And then it becomes a different substance. What was dry, what was disconnected, what was flaky, as it's sprinkled with water and, and massaged, becomes another substance. Something infused with fragrance. Something infused with, with moisture. Something which infused with this cleansing element that's part of that. There's a linking, a, there's an alchemy that goes on. And the, and the water, when it's done right, is put in, but it doesn't drip. It holds it as this, this mass of, I don't know what you would call it. Something different happens. And then as he massages it, there's no part of it that's not touched by that. The, the example is that, that this body, as we're cultivating this practice, the bowl is our presence of heart. It's our attention. Everything is held in this bowl. The dry flakes, the, the powders like the body, this bit, shoulder sticks out a bit there, that knee's a bit over there, the head's a bit hot, feet seem so far away. What are the hands that, that massage and the moisture? The moisture is moments of noticing. Vitaka, how's the head? Vichara, staying with that feeling. That noticing is a splash of water. 
splash of water, touching, noticing the head, noticing the chest, staying with the breath, the in, the out, the long breath at first, with the quality of noticing, little by little, this body is being permeated, suffused with awareness, enlivened with awareness. You can get a really good feeling for this in the Qigong. In that same process, through meditative movement and breathing, we can use that same process when we're sitting and walking. So that there's no part of the body that isn't suffused, permeated with this quality of listening, inner listening, of noticing. And then something, something changes. What was bumpy and coarse and disconnected starts to become brighter, lighter, smoother, consciously. And just like that person on the side of the beach with the waves coming in and the waves going out. Have you ever been on a beach when there's been a big party the night before and all kind of tracks and four-by-fours racing and all kind of big ditches here and there? you've come early in the morning and watching the tide the waves come back and forth and though there were so many bits and pieces that jarred one's sensibilities as the waves move in and move out notice how it smooths the beach even though there's billions of grains of sand it becomes one smooth delightful expanse There's millions of cells, millions of sensation, millions of parts of us, but as we steady ourselves in being with just how it is, bringing the mind back, opening the heart to the moment, savoring, relaxing, little by little, what was manifold becomes unified, tranquilized. So let's be patient, cultivate this practice. For the rest of our life, if we little by little just cultivate this skillful practice, patient results will happen in their own time.